Martin. Good evening. Good morning. Welcome everyone to this uh, ICJ webinar, uh, another part of our series, which we are running every Thursday at this hour, which is 4 p.m. in Israel. And uh, today we have an exciting topic. We are going to look at the life of an extraordinary man, one who proved great personal courage at the time of the Nazi Third Reich in the 1930s. He was a man who lived as he preached. He was the one who was a theologian, but he thought, taught that theology should never be divorced from the practical life of faith. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, a German proponent of the Bekennen uh, der Kirche, the, uh, the church which was uh, really uh, uh, very active in the opposition against the Nazi regime. And uh, we are going to hear about him from a uh, very well-educated person, uh, because with me is my dear colleague from our ICJ family, National Director of ICJ Denmark, Christina Elizabeth Leinem. Welcome, Christina. It's great that you are with us today. Besides being the National Director for a few years uh, uh, with the ICJ, she is an ordained Lutheran pastor, and she holds a master's degree in theology, and uh, her master thesis was, guess on whom? On Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So she has studied a lot, and she will uh, uh, let us know something uh, about his personality, his views, his life, and what we can also learn from him today. I believe this is an important topic, even as we go into these uh, tumultuous times, times of many changes, times of a lot of division also, times where politics uh, plays quite an important role even for us as believers. And the, the relationship between uh, politics and our faith should be also one of the topics, if I understand well. So without further ado, Christina, the floor is yours. Tell us about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And after your introductory talk, we will, as always, have the opportunity for you in our audience to ask questions. I would also like to mention that this seminar is being translated simultaneously live into three languages. Today, it is Spanish, Portuguese, and Thai. So I welcome all people from Thailand and from Spanish and Portuguese speaking world. And uh, I wish you uh, will be blessed uh, by listening to this webinar. So Christina, please tell us about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Thank you so much for inviting me to this webinar. And I'm excited that we have this hour to unfold uh, this very important and significant uh, theologian. Bonhoeffer uh, and what he stood for and how we can get inspired of him today because I, I really believe he has a prophetic voice also into our time today. I have to say that I'm not a scholar in uh, Bonhoeffer because there's a lot of uh, writings and, and uh, some of uh, his theological subjects I haven't read yet. But I would like in this webinar to, to highlight some of his uh, thoughts that I studied uh, during my master thesis. So I have limited uh, my study to the period from 1935 to 1937, because it is the height of uh, Bonhoeffer's engagement 
in the Confessing Church, as uh, Maimia said, he was one of the leader of the Confessing Church, standing in the church struggle uh, with uh, the governing uh, church, which became the Reich Church. So in this time phrase, uh, frame, Bonhoeffer was the leader of a pastor's seminary in, uh, in Finkenwalde in the northern part of Germany. It was an illegal uh, seminary. It was under uh, surveillance uh, from uh, Gestapo. And it was here that the very important thesis on theology and on the subject of uh, the church and uh, how to um, understand the Bible came uh, from Bonhoeffer. And I have, I've been studying uh, the documents which are uh, collected in this uh, book, uh, the documents from the period from 1935 to 1937. Um, and uh, it contains both the uh, theological uh, subjects, uh, it were it, in different uh, homiletics and pastoral care and uh, catechesis, but it also contains the letters which was written inside the Confessing Church, also from the Reich Church to the Confessing Church, and uh, letters from uh, the European uh, ecumenical community, because uh, Bonhoeffer was part of a bigger uh, Christian community, uh, so uh, it is quite um, uh, it gives quite a big a picture of how he uh, handled uh, the communication to to the to, to the governing um, church and how he uh, developed his theological uh, point of view, standing as a leader in in the pastor's uh, seminary. On this picture, we have a picture of Bonhoeffer. It's taking uh, in the train uh, where he was sitting uh, to get to the Finkenwald uh, Seminary. My study has attempted to explore uh, Bonhoeffer's Christ centering in relation to the Bible and the church and prayer. And uh, in this uh, webinar, we will uh, unfold what it means when Bonhoeffer speaks about Christ-centering uh, pers perspective. Uh, but first, I would like uh, to draw our attention to how uh, Bonhoeffer uh, positioned him himself uh, and took a position about the question about the Jews under the Second uh, uh, World uh, War, coming up to the Second World War and, and the strongly anti-Semitic um, uh, regime in Germany. Uh, Bonhoeffer really took um, a courageous stand uh, beside the Jewish people. And I think it's a, a role model for us today. He, he very early saw uh, under uh, the Nazi program that there was something 
uh, totally wrong about uh, how the program, the Nazi program, was uh, intended to to actually uh, kill the the Jewish people. He he saw through it, even though uh, that many others uh, of his colleague didn't. Uh, and uh, in the early 30s, it was in, in uh, 33, he, um, in a radio lecture, he uh, warned against uh, embracing a Führer who would become an idol, pointing to himself instead of pointing to an authority outside himself. And um, some scholars have asked uh, the question, how it was uh, possible for Bonhoeffer to uh, see the character of uh, the Nazi uh, regime uh, Hitler represented when so, much, so many others did not see it. How could he ha have this uh, sense of judgment and, and to see through the things? And in an article uh, that um, Bishop Emeritus from Berlin uh, has written about this question, he says that it's Bonhoeffer's grounding the concrete community in the reality and activity of Christ. That Bonhoeffer was aware that Proclaiming Christ and proclaiming church must always be very grounded in the concrete. It can't only be in, in uh, thesis or in statements, but it must be grounded in everything we do as humans. And uh, he believed that this gave uh, Bonhoeffer the ability to judge the wrong way in which the Nazi regime were leading the, the church in Germany. And this explanation is consistent with one of uh, Bonhoeffer's very famous uh, thesis on church. Uh, he called it Centurium, com Communium, or we could call it the, the holiness of the, of the Christian community which explore that uh, Christ exists as community. And this is uh, the core of, uh, of the way uh, Bonhoeffer looks at the church, that it is Christ existing as a, as a community. He saw it that the church is the present of Christ, in the same way as Christ is the presence of God. And uh, Bonhoeffer experienced himself the need of the Christ community um, in the reality of life, uh, being involved with uh, one of the first um, task he had as an ordained pastor in Berlin, it was to help out with a group of young boys uh, who were at, the ch at a church in uh, 
very uh, social, exposed and pure, poor neighborhood in, uh, in Berlin called uh, Wedding. And uh, the pastor there nearly uh, was uh, killed by, by the wild behavior uh, of uh, those boys. Uh, they, he had a heart attack and uh, he had to resign and uh, Bonhoeffer agreed to uh, go into this uh, task to teach uh, those wild boys. And uh, we have to understand that he came from a very uh, wealthy family and also very well-educated family. So he went to a complete other area of Berlin and he was shocked uh, to find uh, this situation with the boys. And he wrote to his friend, I don't have any theology for this situation. I don't have any statement. I don't have anything. I have uh, been educated and I don't have anything other than being there with them as Christ being with them. And it uh, developed so that he just stayed with them. He gained their trust. He visited uh, their families and he saw how difficult uh, circumstances they were under. They were uh, poor, uh, both uh, in the material uh, area, but also in the spiritual area. And uh, he writes to his friend that maybe this reality is the end of our kind of Christianity. He saw that, that many also in the Western world, in the cultured Christian world, didn't know about the church and, and our uh, statement and our belief and uh, didn't know about the history of Jesus Christ and understanding so that in that way he before uh, anybody else saw that there should be something new to uh, to the way to be church to be able to reach out to uh, the human beings in 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 the gospel to how to reach out to them. So it, it really became very uh, essential for him that church is Christ's community. It's Christ being where people are. It's Christ crying where people are crying. It's Christ getting involved in uh, the world stuff. And, uh, and being there as, as Christ would be there. Now it's the church. Now it's the church that, uh, that is the answer. Uh, whereas Christ, Christ is in the church. So the church should be there. So together with this experience in, in this area of uh, wedding in Berlin, and also um, experience of uh, being in New York uh, in an African-American um, community in Harlem, where he saw that uh, even though they 
they didn't have um, very good uh, life circumstances. There was a joy and a, and a, and a happiness in Christ, and that they really needed Christ every day. And uh, this founded his way of of looking at the church. And um, I will go uh, on and uh, speak about how he uh, he looked at the church. But if there is any question before, or maybe I, I could speak a little bit more of how he he saw the the Jewish question. But we can have just a little. Yeah, I think you you can go on, and then we will come back to. And uh, I would encourage our uh, listeners if they want to ask a question, they can do so in a in a Q and A uh, form, and we will take those questions at the end of this session. Good. So I will um, now unfold what he he meant about uh, understand understanding church if church is the present of Christ as Christ is the presence of God. What does it mean for uh, the church? Um, and he, he saw that Christ in this way becomes the new humanity in the church. Christ becomes the new humanity. And as the new humanity in Christ, the only way in which a church can meet other people is in Christ. As Christ met a person, so do the church. It means that when we as Christian, as church community meet a person, we have to be aware of and be mindful of that they will now meet Christ. If we meet a person outside the church or living in a, another moral way than we think is the right one or uh, even our uh, enemies or some people who don't have the same opinion as we do we have to understand that when we meet them we meet them as if they met christ and not as uh, my from my culture my background or from my opinion of this political thing or this but as christ met um, people and we know that christ always met people in love and truth and in grace so this is a call for the church to look through culture and look through political agenda and also look through moral uh, issues and meet people as Christ would meet them. And uh, Bonhoeffer says that as the cross carries humanity up to God, so does um, the church actually carries humanity up to God. Christ carrying humanity up to God means that the church also are involved in carrying humanity up to God. So we are not involved in uh, making it worse or uh, 
judge uh, people, but we are engaged in carrying them up to God. And our task as churches, therefore, uh, to carry humans up to God. Um, and actually carry them as Christ carries the church. Because Christ is carrying the church up to God every day, praying. He's standing with the right father, with the right hand of the Father, and praying for his church, and also loving and uh, being merciful uh, to his church every day. Otherwise, we could not be church if we didn't have the grace of God and Christ carrying us up to God every day. And for Bonhoeffer, it is the same with the church. We should carry people up to God every day. We should pray for them. We should uh, give them uh, love and, and in that carry them to God. And I believe that uh, it is, um, um, for me, it has been uh, mind changing actually to, to look at, uh, at people as Christ uh, coming to them and, and as the, the picture of Christ. And also that my task and our task as church is to carry pe people up to God. Um, and for Bonhoeffer, it meant that also be uh, with uh, the people in the struggle and in the pain. He had the opportunity to escape the war uh, in the just before the war uh, started. He was in the U.S. and he was uh, asked to stay there and to to teach there. But he uh, turned back. He went back because he said that he could not be able to help the church uh, regain itself after the war if he had not been in there most darkest hour and uh, uh, if, if he had not um, suffered with the German people actually um, during this uh, dark hour uh, in, in the history of, of the German people. And uh, those thoughts led uh, Bonhoeffer to um, to speak about the world being profound worldliness. He wanted the church to be profound worldliness. And he is, puts this, this opposite uh, the uh, other worldliness, which I will unfold uh, in a moment. But in this, he saw um, tendency in Christianity to turn the church uh, towards itself. Um, and, and this is what he calls other worldliness. If the church are focusing on itself and are focusing on uh, the life after death and uh, the tendency can also be that uh, we live in a, a partilarity that some of of uh, us being a Christian related to just uh, a small and private area of our life. And uh, he wanted to, to have the church out of this. And uh, 
he calls it instead uh, of that the church are called uh, to a profound worldliness, a profound worldliness. And uh, he meant a religious-less Christianity, a religious-less Christianity and a non-religious interpretation of the Bible. And he said, what else the church has to do, it has to bear witness to the claim of Jesus Christ on the whole of life, in every area of life. And that profound worldliness, that is the element to live full in the world according uh, to its basic reality. Defining uh, the unity of both the divine and the human nature of Christ. So he focused on that as Christ was both, he had a divine and a human nature. That is why we as church, as being Christ's uh, community, also have to be both human and divine. So that the, he tried to, uh, to, to limit that gap that can be between uh, the two sides uh, and wanted to be one. So in, instead of the church looking inside uh, to, to ourselves, he had a hope that the testimony of the church would be the testimony, uh, would be the voice of his Lord, um, that the world can listen to the voice of their Lord uh, in the church that the world can, can hear that there is a call calling uh, from the Lord through, through the church. Um, and uh, he saw that, that uh, in the heart of this being uh, as Christ, there is uh, of a voluntarily taking on of guilt, actually. Um, as Christ, he as, as God's son took all the guilt, of course, and we can't take <laughs> uh, the guilt uh, uh, in that way. But as Christ community in the world, we are called also to take on guilt, actually, to, to help uh, 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 voluntarily uh, taking also uh, on guilt to to uh, lift the burden from people um, lift the burden of of the of the sin actually and and he said that evil becomes powerless when it does not uh, encounter resistance um, if evil uh, encounters willingness to suffer, um, it uh, it actually becomes powerless. Powerless, um, and he calls uh, this way the the way of the church, um, 
the Christ followers um, must in this go the same way as Jesus at the cross said, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. And, and the same calling is for the church to, to have this, uh, this willingness to actually uh, bear the, the guilt. Jesus bore the guilt that they they crucified him and and he saw that they didn't know what they were doing and that's also the same the church are called to to bear uh, the guilt uh, and uh, in that way be uh, be a hope and a sign of Christ in the in the world and in this, it's it's uh, very important uh, to to speak about how Bonhoeffer himself actually was engaged in the um, ass assessment attack uh, attack on uh, on Hitler, uh, because as as church and as Christ followers, he was uh, against a killing. Uh, and 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 against uh, uh, war in that sense uh, to to kill, uh, but he 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 had to distinguish between uh, Christ in the church in this matter, and then what he as a citizen in uh, Germany was responsible to do in um, in the the political uh, uh, trouble time and um, so this is a little different and, and and also a little hard to understand how how he could it but what i, I have found is a, a way to understand it is that it was necessary and for him to to say it was not god asking him to try uh, to kill uh, Hitler, it was not the church, but it was his own um, uh, voice inside him, and and he was aware that he could never ask anyone, uh, even in the confessing church, he never asked uh, anyone to stand beside him. He never asked them to be uh, supporters of his. Uh, uh, his inner, uh, you can call it calling to, to get rid of uh, Hitler and stop him. Uh, he instead said, uh, I can never ask uh, other to do what I need to do myself. And then he was aware that he would be uh, put to in charge, he would be um, judged actually. Uh, he would be judged uh, before the throne of God to take this uh, action. But as he said, that uh, the grace of God would uh, be over him. Uh, but it was uh, a case between God and himself. So he didn't uh, take it uh, to be... Um, he didn't take the, uh, the authority of his action from... God or the church. And we have to understand that 
it's because also in in the first uh, world war um, we saw uh, or another uh, very known uh, theologian um, Karl Barth which was uh, he was born a little before Bonhoeffer so he was also a, a grown-up man during the first and he was also a theologian during the first world war and he saw how the educated the professors the doctors in Germany uh, was signing a paper to the government that it was okay for them uh, to go in uh, and start the first world war and then he he saw that from the English side, they were asking um, how, how can we not, uh, as Christians, uh, try to stop this? Uh, the Christians in the in, uh, United Kingdom and the Christians uh, tried to, to speak with the, with the well-educated uh, Christians in, in Germany, but they uh, didn't want to, to stop. They said, oh, no, we, we, want to, um, we want to support our uh, government and we believe God is with us in this. And on the other side, the English people said, God is with us in this. So we, we understand the, the problem with that, uh, because in every war, if uh, God is on both sides, he has a split uh, and uh, <laughs> we know that God is not in, in the division of, uh, of um, splitting anything. Uh, so, so we understand that's why, uh, that's the background why Bonhoeffer had to be very uh, clear about this is not, uh, this is my, this is my own uh, sense of, uh, responsibility and I have to do what I can do to stop uh, to stop uh, Hitler yeah so uh, and it, it leads to to his uh, his conclusion that uh, every man and woman are created uh, unique in the image of God and therefore there is a unique calling for all of us it um, and it's, uh, it's sometimes we can't even use the church and, and uh, our friends as uh, supporters because we have to know that uh, God creates us also to have this freedom, uh, freedom to act uh, and freedom to, uh, to be uh, what he called us to be. Yeah, that was a lot of words. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. I have thank you very much. Yeah, good. There was no a lot way. of uh, stuff to to dig into. So I hope you have some uh, good uh, critical questions. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, I have a question here. And before uh, answering that, I, I just wanted to add my own comment. I think that Bonhoeffer really mastered a very careful balancing act between uh, uh, the, the nature of the church as he concentrated on, on the, I would say, the spiritual aspect. The church should be uh, the presence of Christ and should concentrate on its spiritual role. 
and not meddle with politics, so to speak. Because as you mentioned, the Germans were blessing their arms, the English were blessing their arms, and uh, also there was this later on in the uh, run up to the Second World War, uh, the majority church in Germany actually uh, succumbed to Hitler. It was it ha has become a, an apostate church in a way. Uh, throwing the Jews out of church and submitting to Hitler's ideology. And that is what uh, uh, Bonhoeffer clearly rejected. So it would seem like the church to him would be something aloof, something just spiritual without any relation to, to the world. But at the same time, as you said, he himself engaged in resistance actively. And uh, I think it is very, uh, it is uh, maybe very difficult to uh, understand unless you really live in those circumstances, like Bonhoeffer did uh, in a in a regime which was dictatorial in nature, because that kind of regime forces you to to make this kind of decision. And it brings to memory uh, when I started in my uh, life of faith in the mid '80s in Czechoslovakia. This was under communist regime, and uh, I, young as I was, I was. Uh, trying to be active in the uh, underground uh, uh, resistance, so to speak, not violent, but doing something against this regime because we uh, saw that it was completely wicked. But then when I came to faith, uh, I was lucky to come into a church uh, which taught actually what Bonhoeffer taught. And we were told to concentrate clearly on the gospel. And that was the message. The church did not make any political statement and there we really uh, try to concentrate on sharing the gospel, on praying even for these wicked leaders, and uh, actually uh, acting as Bonhoeffer would uh, say, what would Jesus do in this situation, represent him in this society? But uh, there was always a tension, because what do you do? Where is the limit? What do you do if you see that the uh, government is doing something really wicked and wrong? And this is where, uh, Bonhoeffer's example shines because he, without taking the church uh, into that, he just took the responsibility for himself. And he did something and he just was uh, ready to take responsibility. And I think that is also a something which uh, could be an example for, uh, for us today, even though uh, most of us are not living in that situation of extreme tension under a dictatorial regime. But this subtle distinction between theology and the, the, the role of the church and our personal responsibility, which must be political sometimes. That, that is something uh, uh, that I think we can, we can all learn from. Uh, now, I have a question which is related to it, I believe. Uh, do you see a connection between Bonhoeffer's decision to act as a citizen in the attempt to kill Hitler and Luther's Zwei Reiche Lehre? The, the teaching on two uh, empires. Uh, is, is that something that you would see is similar or would you see a difference? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question because actually um, some uh, histori historians and, and also theologians uh, really see that uh, the two um, uh, the, the world and, and the church uh, area which, um, which Luther uh, 
uh, tried to to distinguish between he he didn't do it in 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 real life uh, yeah. actually uh, the the reformation was only uh, put into action because he was very working very close with uh, Kaiser Karl and was yeah. uh, in a good favor actually with uh, with the the power uh, in his time and uh, when he he uh, so he said it but actually in in the reality he didn't do it uh, and it leads uh maybe till what we see that that the the church had no courage uh, during the first world war to to say no they prayed for their soldiers and 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 in that accepted the the, the war uh, and also leading up to the second world war uh, so it's yeah. a yeah so uh, it's a good question yeah yeah and um, yeah. it, it, and it's it's hard to dis discern to 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 discern it because uh, in a way it was how the Reformation came into reality. Otherwise, yeah. Luther was being killed. He was potential <laughs> to be yeah. be killed because he it, it was too too much what he was standing for, and he was uh, actually. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, using uh, his ability uh, to to try to reform the church, but he he also destroyed it uh, into one church. He destroyed the oneness of the church, and uh, and in that way, actually, the the power uh, saved him. Yeah, well, I agree. This is a very fine line we need to walk if we want to distinguish between the, the world and the political involvement and the spiritual role of the church. And we will come back to this question of what can we learn for today. But I would like to ask before uh, something about his relation to the Jewish people, because he was there in the 1930s when anti-Semitism was on the rise in Germany. He uh, understood the danger very early, as you said. So what is known about his relation to the Jewish people and as God sees them? Yeah, uh, he, um, he was, um, he was touched uh, during the crystal, crystal night uh, uh he he had uh, been uh, reading in his um, he, he had been reading in his um, bible um, in psalm uh, 74 um, he read in his bible and uh, after the world you could see he had underlined it uh, it, it's Psalm uh, 74, verse 7, 8, 8. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the dwelling place of your name. They said in their hearts, we will cross them completely. They burned every place where God was worshipped in the land. And he, um, it was the day after the crystal crystal night, so he wrote the 9th of November 1938 in the margin of his Bible. 
So he really saw that there was this connection, spiritual uh, connection between uh, the Jewish people and, and uh, the Christians, and that uh, God was worshipped um, in the centuries and in, in the synagogues uh, mm. Germany. Um, so he saw the attack on the synagogues as an attack on God himself. Uh, one one comment here from uh, an attendee. It is said that an eye-opener for Bonhoeffer's recognizing the nature of Nazi Hitler was the situation of his Jewish brother-in-law. Uh, what do you think about that? Yes, definitely. Um, that's right. We haven't been into his uh, biography, uh, but it's uh, definitely right that he had in his in in his family. Uh, a Jewish um, uh, man uh, married to his sister, and and he saw how they had to flee to uh, England, um, and how how it was, and he also saw a, a lot of the uh, the intellectuals in uh, in Germany uh, had to flee. Uh, so he he uh, definitely saw that that the what was uh, the cultural elite uh, had to to leave, um, and um, that was the, the consequence also for himself. He had to. He was actually uh, a professor also in theology at Berlin University, but uh, he was not allowed. It was taken from him his uh, authorization to to teach there. Yeah. So, so that's right. Yeah. It's our own family, yeah. And it's it's, he, it's very yeah. uh, actually his father. Uh, he was a psychiatrist, um, and he was actually asked to do a paper on um, on Hitler, a psych uh, from a, a psychiatry uh, view point of view, because. Uh, what is also very important, I believe, in this story is to know that actually the, the generals uh, uh, in power in Germany, they were, um, they were shocked when they realized uh, which kind of man they have supported into power. Uh, and we, we should know that, that uh, the generals uh, really did uh, a work to stop uh, Hitler. And they asked uh, Bonhoeffer's, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's, Karl Bonhoeffer uh, was his name, to, to investigate uh, the actions of Hitler. How can you see it in a psychiatrist way? Uh, and I, it, I think it's important that we understand that they tried to, uh, to stop him, um, but it was not very uh, supported from outside Germany, actually. The Confessing Church also asked uh, uh, the English uh, uh, Christians and, and leaders uh, to, to, to help, uh, but it was very uh, hard for them. Uh, mm. Yeah, but it's good to have the, the, the knowledge that, that some of the generals actually tried. Uh, yeah. They even tried to assassinate Hitler. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah which was actually the reason why Bonhoeffer was uh, uh, executed at, in the very last days of the war, together with Admiral Canaris and others who yeah. plotted against him. 
Yeah. Okay, let's come back. Uh, we have a very interesting theological question from Jacob Kikstra. Yes. Um, uh, when uh, Bonhoeffer looked at the church and its role to bring Christ into society, um, could Israel also serve, Israel as a nation, I understand, could Israel also serve as an example for how Bonhoeffer sees the church? In, namely in the suffering role of Israel. Mm. If you compare how we understand Israel's role and how Bonhoeffer saw the role of the church, that's what I understand. Yeah, I don't know if I, if I understand the question right, uh, but I'm, what I hear the question is, saw, saw Bonhoeffer what we see that there is a picture when we see the suffering of the Jewish people, actually, we also see a suffering of Jesus. Yeah. Or when we see the suffering of Jesus, we also see how the people, his people, his, uh, uh, his father and mother, and, and all his, uh, his, um, his family has been, been suffering. Uh, that's how I understand the question. I don't know if uh, if Bonhoeffer uh, put that together actually, but I know that when he he speaks about uh, Christ being uh, in the suffering and and the church being in the suffering, he wants the church to be there with the with the Jewish people because they were in 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 the suffering. Uh, and his own life is an example of how he came back from America where he could have saved his life, but he felt that he was called to be there where people suffer, including the yeah. Jewish people, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if, uh, yeah. if you can, if you can uh, unfold your question, if you think it's uh, another direction, maybe. Yeah. It was... Um, yeah. It was attended maybe in, in another direction, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let me come back to the, the main question for this seminar. What can we learn today? Uh, we have uh, uh, a, a lot of division in today's world. We are in, and even in the churches, there is division on vaccination, there is division on Israel, there is division on this and that. The, the time in which we live is very complex and, uh, and changing and there's a lot of insecurity um, and there is this attempt to mix uh, the church with politics on the other hand there may be an imperative for us as individuals to take a stand for what we believe is true uh, so how can we learn from Bonhoeffer's example for today's world mm. yeah it's, it's a very good question and uh, I really believe that we can learn uh, something about his uh, calling to identity as Christ uh, followers, as Christ meeting people, as Christ met people. Uh, th that's uh, something which we can really learn of today because we often um, divide people into different uh, sections or if they have another observance than we have um, um, I 
believe that we should uh, stand on the on the biblical uh, values also in the moral uh, sense but i also believe that we should we should be with the suffering people actually uh, so we we can't just uh, be the moral finger you this is wrong because jesus was never that actually <laughs> he was quite uh, radical when it when it comes to embracing uh, the out uh, uh, comers uh, he was uh, i i believe he was trying to tell us that uh, the people suffering uh, when the when the woman was um, exposed in in uh, being together with men uh jesus rode in in the sand and he asked all of them you they wanted to stone her uh, you can those of you or the who don't you, you know you you can throw the first stone and and this is so i i really believe that uh, it is something with our hearts actually uh it's something with our hearts because the the it's not always uh from god when we have when we have this um longing to uh, judge actually it's not it's not always from god <laughs> it, it it because uh, the world are judging all the time it's it's the it's the spirit of the world who are judging um well, putting people in 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 different uh, positions and in different uh, standards and so i i believe that we are called out of that uh, of course uh, staying in the truth but meeting people with love that is radical um it ha it has been radical for me uh, now i'm i'm uh, nearly an ordained pastor and uh, i have a lot of uh, colleagues uh, which uh, maybe have a different observation uh, of uh, christian faith than i do but i really feel that uh, this challenge from bonhoeffer uh, challenged me to um, love before anything else uh, if you understand meet with a loving um, attitude of not uh, condemning actually yeah. uh, that's uh, that's on the one side and uh, uh, also to understand that we uh, we have to have an identity in Christ and not in uh, church dominations or in culture or in because um, we have to um, to follow christ uh, and that sometimes mean that we are carrying some uh, guilt and some burden and and maybe we are uh, uh, not very well looked at because we are hanging out with the wrong people if you understand yeah so i believe that we are we are challenged uh, in this because we uh, would like to uh, be looked at actually in 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 the religious way that we are good uh, religion people uh, but uh, but but in this uh, bonhoeffer is is uh, is uh, challenging us and and is speaking to be uh, christ 
uh, yeah. guys met the people. Uh, he he meets uh, people today in in the church meeting people. Again, the the whole uh, thing is certainly not easy. Uh, uh, one of the final comments I would read uh, part of uh, this comment that uh, we received, and uh, uh, the gentleman is uh, uh, recalling. Uh, the late Paul, Paul John Paul II, Karol Wojtyla, who uh, has uh, really shown courage and leadership as he uh, confronted the communist regime in Poland and in, in fact in all the Eastern Europe. And uh, uh, he, uh, in a way, led the world, led the defeat of the Soviet Union. Well, I would say there were more factors, but I can remember very well what uh, source of moral strength it was for us living behind the Iron Curtain, when something like someone like the Pope was speaking clearly, uh, and that was that did have political implications, but he uh, evidently spoke from the basis of what the Church should be like. And uh, I have another example: one of his cardinals in the, uh, the Czech Republic, Cardinal Tomášek, who represented the Catholic Church in that country. Uh, when the, the revolution was unfolding and it was still not clear whether the communists would come back in power or whether they would be overthrown and there was a lot of tension in the world, he appeared and uh, it was at the, at the moment when television already was free and uh, there was no censorship. So he appeared in the television and no one knew what he would say because he was known for, uh, for being a, a spiritual person focusing on things of the church and he said i never forget his sentence the church at this hour will always stand the people yes. and that was clear there was a very strong statement which was very encouraging and so i think this could be a, an example of how we while maintaining spiritual status we can and we must sometimes uh, speak for the truth uh, without with, with courage, but again, not fall into judgment and and uh, you know all of that. So uh, this is really something that we can uh, we cannot just uh, proclaim that it is a closed case. This is something which I believe will challenge us every day. Yes. But uh, it would be great to really even get familiar with some of his writings. The cost of discipleship is uh, is one of the. the uh, it's actually a booklet, but it's it's uh, something that uh, has had profound impact on me personally when I was first uh, uh, a young believer, and something that we can draw from uh, even today. Uh, so I would like to thank all our participants for their active uh, participation, for the good questions and comments they asked, and of course, Christina, thank you very much for unveiling a little bit of the complex problem of uh, relation of the church to the world and how we should navigate and uh, i would say that without the holy spirit we are lost and we need his guidance every day and uh, let me wish you and us and all our uh, listeners that we might draw from this source of wisdom every day uh, even as we go may go into darker periods and uh, the decision must can be um, can be really difficult, but uh, the Lord knows and He is in control and He will give us the wisdom when we ask for it. Yes, and and this uh, 
and I really believe also it's it's kind of freedom to to follow Christ in because when we are focusing on on what he did then we are less focused on how does it look like or is uh, always the it is sometimes maybe even not in the church the the what is highlighted to be the right thing but when we follow christ then we have this um uh, we have this authority actually i, I believe and and sometimes it also means to to carry uh, maybe a burden of some who don't want to to forgive us or who have been uh, been cruel to us and we can't uh, we can't uh, give it back we have to to carry it to the cross or so, so there's a lot of uh, of things every day i believe that uh, jesus uh, do in us he works in us to to become more of his uh, followers um, and it, it's exciting it, it's not a religion it, it's a person it's all about following jesus yeah and it's a person so it's a you 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 never quite of course you you know something but there's also something you don't know <laughs> you have to trust uh, you have to trust him and it's a live relationship. Yes, you are That's true. Funny if, uh, it's really, um, it's it's a it's a very uh, profound message, and we I, I believe that uh, he has something very important to say to us today. Amen. Christina, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to host you today for the webinar, and may God bless you. We are definitely in a time of dramatic change. Many leaders, they speak that this current crisis that is going all around the world means like a reset or a recalibration even of the world of God here in this world. It's a new season where we do sense new tools are required and a new type of leadership. And in this challenging time, it's important for us to remember that God is not locked down. He is still active. He's not restricted in his ways of dealing with the church, but he can bring new things to your ministry and new things even to your personal leadership. We see prayer increasing around the world and hear testimonies of people coming in large numbers into the kingdom of God. I do pray that this year's Envision Conference right here from Jerusalem will inspire you to be a better leader, to cope with challenges that we are facing and to expect great things from God for your ministry. I look forward to seeing you at Envision 2022 and I believe that the Lord will give us guidance. Discover, grow and lead at the Envision Pastors and Leaders Conference. Join us as we take you to different locations in the land of Israel. Hear insightful teachings that will enrich your faith. Enjoy worship and fellowship together with pastors and leaders from across the globe. Register today. Go to on.icej.org slash envision 2022.